Hey, what's up, guys? This is Lizzie Jane, and you're tuning into another episode of the EXO podcast. This week, I had a wonderful guest on who our paths have really just kind of crossed briefly, but we've been in the same position where we've both had residencies and now we're out of our residencies and he's released on Subsidia. He goes by the name Drink Your Water as well as he's a rapper um, known as Kevin Flum. He's done huge features with Wednesday and Say My Name. Hyped to be able to sit down and chat with him before we both play Imagine Music Festival at the end of this month in Atlanta, which I am so, so excited for. It was a wonderful conversation. Um, Don't forget, it is a new month which means 100th episode of EXO Radio drops next week, featuring Asora, phenomenal guest. He just dropped his debut EP on Never Say Die. So I'm really looking forward to that guest mix. I'm sure he'll throw some new tracks in there. So if you're a fan of Asora, make sure you're keeping your eye on our SoundCloud and our Audius channel. It's a new month for my Patreon, which means that I have now opened new spots for one-on-one lessons, consultation. Don't forget that you can always hear the podcast a day early and free episodes on my Patreon, sample packs, serum presets, live streams, and so much more. So make sure to hop over to www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane and check it out. Without further ado, thank you guys so much for tuning in again and again. This is Lizzie Jane and you're tuning in to the XO podcast. How's it going? It's going. It's going. I just finished a little meeting with the the agents and we're kicking along and now I've got a podcast with you and then I have a podcast with um, Afterthought tomorrow, which will be a lot. Yeah, which will be a lot of fun. So thank you for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I've been, yeah. wanting, I've been wanting to get on it for a minute now. So. Hell yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. We've kind of seen each other kind of like grow in our different regions because you're you're from Atlanta right yeah yeah that's where I'm at right now okay sweet and like for those listening really quick um can you just introduce yourself kind of give you a brief background not only on your DJ project and your production project drink your water but also as Kevin Flum rapper musician absolutely so yeah my name's Kevin Flum um originally born in Germany but I live in Atlanta, Georgia now. I do hip-hop, rap, uh, songwriter, all that stuff. And then I also have a side project, uh, Drink Your Water. I do bass music, anything really just, you know, trappy, dubby, you know, just try to keep it, trying to keep my own little thing going on here. So I just separated the two projects because it was getting a little confusing and um, my original like hip-hop fans weren't really understanding what I was trying to do with that. So that's why I branched out and made a a separate project so I could kind of just like have two lanes to try and keep myself in so absolutely yeah well thank you so much for like coming on today I I just you've always been one of those people that that have kind of stayed in their own lane and when I kind of came across to you were I remember looking you up on like YouTube or some shit and I was like holy shit man I was like he can fucking rap like he can he can like like write really really well and and that's the thing that I think you know, we'll get kind of into this in in a few minutes, but it's a thing that when you're a musician and you're an artist, a lot of people don't realize how much of a skill set you have when you can apply yourself to like different genres, different lanes, even going into like other industries and doing audio work 
and all of that stuff. So it's, it's cool to see someone, you know, doing a different thing, kind of like what I'm doing with the podcast. Like you also have like your rap career and that really kind of platformed you into being able to have a following already, even though it wasn't a direct following, but uh, you know, already a demographic in music that's following what you're doing to start your, you know, your dubstep trap project. So I had no idea you were from Germany. That's fucking crazy. So what brought you to the States? Um, So my father, he was in the military at the time. And uh, the base we were living on in Germany that I'd lived at for most of my life was closing down. I guess they were kind of like shifting uh, the American soldiers back towards the States because their work was like done in the region we were in in Germany. So um, they kind of just like stamped us to go to South Carolina. It was kind of like not our choice. They kind of just told us that's where we were going to go. So in 2009, that's when we moved over to South Carolina and my dad kind of finished out his military career at Fort Jackson. And then once I got done with high school and everything, uh, that's what made me uh, shift over to Atlanta because I was trying to take music a little more serious. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it was really just a military thing. Uh, that's why. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Uh, my my dad was originally in the Air Force, and okay. if he had not gotten um, injured, I would have been born in Austria. So kind of a similar situation. Oh, no way. Yeah, because sure. that's what he would have been where he was kind of located. So, but then all that happened, and then I and then I arrived. But but um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's I I I have quite a few friends who are in military families and it's, it's definitely a culture within itself to kind of grow up around just, it's a different way of life. It's a different way of being raised, different discipline, but some of the most disciplined people I know, even if they haven't enlisted or or been in the military come from military families, it's definitely a a ground to stand on there. Um, Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Tell you um, one thing: if you were born or raised or any, around any type of military family your whole life, you won't be late to anything, like ever. Yeah, ever. <laughs> that's oh, one good thing gosh. about it. So. Yeah. No. That's that's it. I'm I'm in the position where I'm like I'm late to everything unless I'm going on stage. If I'm going on stage, I will be there three hours early, ready to go. Anything else, dinner, date, whatever. I'm like, just count me out. 30 minutes and then I'll be there and then I'll be there. Um, (laughs) But so like, I just want to, we, we've really like talked in passing before and we have a lot of the same like mutual friends. It's cool because we're kind of in that same market where you kind of fuck with a lot of the Florida like locals and we kind of all came up at the same time. But how did you get interested in like electronic dance music from you know, your origins, which is like rap music, like how did you even get into becoming kind of a a creative standhold of a person coming from a military family? Okay. So, um, my, the main family that I was around my whole life was my mom's side, which is pure German. Like I was raised straight up German my whole life. So in Germany and like Europe itself, dance music itself has always been such a huge thing there. So like I grew up listening to lots of trance and hard style and like different kind of like weird, whatever it was back then. Like I was listening to a lot of like old, old school show tech, like when they were making really hard style type stuff. And like, I just always really, really enjoyed that kind of stuff, but never really knew the potential of what it could blossom into one day. Um, So I kind of just, once I started getting like lots of big features as Kevin Flum on like EDM type, songs like I did a few you know I did that one with say my name I actually ended up doing one with Showtech and Yellow Claw but it never came out um 
So I was doing a bunch of features for people. And then that was like my way, like, well, maybe if I can like continue doing that, I could, you know, use that as a bridge to get into the EDM scene and kind of see like what I could do with it. And I always just had that want to produce stuff because I was, you know, I was going to festivals and I was just seeing everything. I was like, wow, I really want to be a part of this culture because the culture is just so sick. And I just loved the scene and I loved everything about it. So, you know, it's just, I, I don't know what clicked for me that I wanted to do it, but it was just, there's just one turning point where I was like, no, this is it. Like I have to get into this. So as I said before, I didn't have the two projects. I was doing stuff under Kevin Flum, like as EDM and stuff. And my rap fans were not understanding what I was doing. They're like, yo, like, what are you a DJ? Or are you a rapper now? So that's kind of like why I branched myself into it separately. Cause um, I just, you know, if you love something and you want it bad enough, you're going to go do it. So I was just, I was like, I'm going to do this. And, Absolutely. Uh, so that's, that's really what it was. It was just this undenying love for dance music and the culture of it and just wanted to put myself into it. So I did. No, I love it. And it's like, and I see that kind of progression with a lot of vocalists and rappers as well, because sometimes people don't understand that you're like also producing if you like have the feature or if you're whatever. So it's it's good to make that kind of differentiation of like, hey, this is like my production name and you can obviously still do stuff as Kevin Flum and you still have this rap career. But I like as someone who started as a vocalist and then like got into production, found mm. it like so frustrating. And I talked to like colleagues and, you know, other vocalists and, and rappers and stuff. And they're just like, dude, we like made half the song, but people don't get it. Like the the general consumer doesn't make that connection sometimes. And sure. it's also like very difficult to bridge the gap between something such as rap music, kind of that underground culture and mm. then EDM, where right. I feel like a lot of people in electronic music are super accepting of people doing, um, you know, or they're starting to be more accepting of people doing multi-genre faceted music. Yep. I think when you get into more of those direct genres like pop music or metal or rap, it's kind of like, this is your lane, you stick to it. And the adversaries there that you probably had to like overcome those obstacles, I'm sure were like really difficult at times when you were trying to figure out exactly what you wanted to do. Mm. Especially because like the whole rap culture and the rap scene, like most of them don't even know about what EDM truly is. Like they, they have this small minded way of thinking like, Oh, it's just like music with no words or it's just beat boot music. Like, it's just like that. So that's, you're, you hit it on the head with that one. Like, it's just, they don't understand it. And it was, oh man, it's just, it's just two different worlds. It's insane. So, you know. And I can't imagine like living in Atlanta. Tell me about Atlanta because Atlanta's like the hub for that kind of music. It really is. Yeah. Atlanta is crazy. Um, obviously like some of the biggest names in rap that are on top and have been on top come out of Atlanta and are still in Atlanta doing it. So um, that was another like, good move for me. I really moved to Atlanta because I was starting to get booked a lot with Iris Presents, which is like the main company who does imagine mm -hmm. stuff. So you would imagine, by the way, I'm super stoked. I'm so stoked you're on that. I uh, was very excited. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be the first time I play in Atlanta. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked, but yeah, they've been around forever. They've really? been, they've been doing it for a long, like 10 plus years easy. And then, you know, I started getting a few gigs through them while I still lived in South Carolina. So you know, I really was just like, well, I need to move down here if I want to keep getting booked with them and blah, 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 and all that. And I was like, plus the rap side, you know, it could be good too. I just mm -hmm. didn't have any connects for any hip hop stuff down here. It was all like dance music oriented. So 
but um yeah no i've linked up with some really cool producers that are from down here and a lot of producer homies that are like killing it uh on other parts of the uh the country they always come to atlanta to work so it's always like like you said it's a huge hub for uh the rap culture so it's like super easy to link up with people because people are always coming in and out of the city and so many dope studios and um yeah the culture here is insane um I wouldn't trade. I I don't think I could see myself living anywhere else for a while just because it's all what I need is here. So it's pretty dope. Like I, I can't complain. That's awesome. I've heard there's like such an awesome scene there and it's such a creative hub, like not only for music, but also for film. Some of the biggest, like the, the just film in general and the creative outlet there is absolutely insane. And yep. I just look from like my outer point of view seeing like the stadium filled for Kanye's listening party and stuff like that. That is wild. I just can't imagine that happening somewhere like Tampa or somewhere like Orlando, you know? No, it's, it's absolutely insane. Um, and yeah, like you said, the film industry here is insane. Like Tyler Perry has his, his, all his studios are here. Like they film all the Marvel movies here. So it's just, it's just popping. It's always popping here. Wild. No, I'm, I'm very excited. And, and I went to imagine when I was 18 and and I'm excited to be back. I know this year you've played Imagine before, right? Last year or the year before because of COVID. Yeah, I played uh, I played 2017 on a side stage and then I played 18 and 19 on main stage. And then obviously COVID happened. But then this year we're coming back on main stage again. I think you're on main stage too, right? Yeah, I had Amazing. no idea until like last week. And I was like, shit, this is going to yeah. be a lot of fun. No, they... They put on like they put on for the local talent, too, because when we got the offer last second, I was like, wow, this is kind of last second. And I expected it just to be a little bout of kind of more regional South Southeast artists. And then when they announced the additional lineup, I was like, dude, I was like, they did their research like they put a lot of people on and like a lot of hardworking people too. I remember when Mikey Plasma went through a phase where he was like, I just want to be in Atlanta. I just want to be at Kevin's house all the time and be in Atlanta. That's and I was point. just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so he he's he's like, dude, everybody's just going to be like, and like we're all going to have our crowd there and like our squad. And it'll be a lot of fun because originally I was just going to go up for the day, like fly up on Sunday, fly back. And then when I saw that, I was like, nah, I got to go for the whole weekend. It's going to be a huge homie fest. Like it's, it's going to be so sick. And like you said, the, they kill it with the regionals. My boy Abe is actually the one who put together, put all those names together. And mm-hmm. he um, he vouched for you really hard. So I'm super happy that Abe did all that. He vouched for Plasma. He All the homies that are on there, shout out to Abe because Abe did that. And, Dude, uh, shout out Abe. Yeah. I don't know who you are, but thank you. He goes by Ra. Uh, oh, R-A. Okay, yeah, that's okay I know who yeah. he is now. I know who you are, Abe, but thank you. And it's crazy because it's like, just kind of relating this to the back end of the industry. It's just like you never know social media, who is watching, who's paying attention. And that's why, like, you're someone who's always put, like, their head down and, like, worked. And and I feel like long term, that is the only way to go to, like, make an actual career out of it. Like, there's so many different trajectories that you can have in this genre because I always say it's the only genre of music where you can really fake it until you make it and people want to do it just because the lifestyle and that's okay. Like there, there has to be everyone for each position that needs to be filled, but you have to make a decision along the pathway of, 
okay, do I just want to do this for the shows? Do I just want to do this for the experience? Or am I going to kind of take a back seat and say, this is my long-term plan because this is where I want to go. And I want to be able to live off of what I'm doing because so many people don't understand that these bookings and like these lifestyles that you see are like the top 5% of artists. And it's so much bullshit to get to that point where you're comfortably living. It's so much, so much bullshit. And people will never, ever, ever truly know it until they're Mm -hmm. in our shoes doing exactly it, that going through it. So, I mean, yeah, real recognize real on that one. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's always been a marathon for me and not a sprint. Like I just, I'm enjoying the people I'm meeting through it and the songs I've been making and uh, just all the connections I've made throughout the years. And, you know, just, you know, the quicker, the, I've always looked at it as the faster you come up, the faster you come down. So it's like, you know, oh, yeah, I, I remember. To- yeah. Like, Oh, absolutely. Sorry for interrupting. No, no, you're um, good. I was just saying that, that it's, it's absolutely that. And I remember distinctly having a conversation with, uh, Ricky nitty gritty, like a long time ago, like when I had just started getting into it and he was always like one day a bell's going to switch. You're not going to want to be in the crowd anymore. You're not want to You're not going to want to go out. You're just want to, you're, you're just going to be wanting to work on your craft and, mm-hmm. and get to the long term. And then I remember after the tail end of our conversation, he goes, you always want to be the underdog. I'll tell you that. And, and he is the epitome of someone who sits in that position where no one ever expects what's going to come from him. And it's like, that's where I want to sit. And that's where it's like, I feel if you take this backseat and you do the long run and you just put your head down and work, it's what happens if you don't give up. Like, yeah. I, I, I think there's a fine line between realizing something that you're doing isn't working and then you have to reevaluate And realizing what you're doing is working and you just have to trust the process and be patient because it's not going to come like that. Because if it comes like this, it's going to go like this. And some people just don't fucking get it. Yep. No, that's absolutely right. And Nitty is literally the epitome of that. And he's also, he's actually been one of the biggest inspirations throughout everything because how multi-talented that kid is, like everything, all these different genres that kid can do, like I just don't understand how one human could be so talented in so many fields. So it's insane. But he has a background that's comparable to yours and mine where we're in like, like we're musicians, like this scene, like didn't know who I was because I wasn't in this scene since I was 18. Like I went to music festivals, I did whatever, but it was like, I was in a band and I was doing metal and I was doing like, Oh, really? Mixing and mastering. Yeah, mixing and mastering oh, for metal bands. Worked as an internship for a studio when I was at Full Sail. And then I like really got into the rave culture, but it's kind of like how you were with rapping and singer songwriting and producing on your own in a different field and a different genre. And yeah. that's what Ricky did. That's exactly what he did. He started as a trance producer. And then he was in like, I think like a punk pop band or like some boy band. Oh and God. so like- he has all of these, like, not only does he have, like, credits on, like, Bad Bunny and, like, Pitbull shit and, like, so much stuff, and then started the side project with Party Favor as side piece, yeah. and and it's just, he's just such a good example of, like, not putting yourself in a box, and I can tell from a mile away if someone's really doing their own shit, 
by their skill set and by like the times, like example of COVID, like coming along. And it's like, okay, if like you are a real artist and you're a real creative, like you're going to be able to adapt and say, okay, I need to take on freelance work. I need to get on Fiverr. I need to do vocal top lines. I need to do X, Y, and Z. Not, oh, touring's not happening. I'm stuck. Like, you know, I will never put myself in a position where I have one source of income again, because we just have too much of a skill set to do it like that, you know? Amen. Amen. You know, you know, and it's just, you know, it's, it's also us existing closely in, I have to word this carefully in regional <laughs> scenes, we see a lot of people come from the ground up. So we've seen fake ass people. We see people who put their head down and work and it's just like any industry. There's a whole bout of them and they're all over the place. And you just, the more that I've kind of learned is, is I just like to, to keep to myself and like keep the circle small because it just gets messy and it's not worth to deal with messy things. I don't know. What's your take on that? And it's okay. This is why I have a podcast. Someone leaves, wants to leave a comment. They can leave a comment, but it doesn't matter what you say. Oh no, the circle stays small, always has been small. Like I, I literally don't hang out with anybody, but the people I either live with or if I'm with my girlfriend, but like literally <laughs> I don't allow myself to be around anything that's either going to make me think differently about what I'm doing now or how I need to do things. Um, and it's like nothing really against other people. It's just like, I have the right to choose who I want to be around and what I want to give my energy to. And like, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, I don't, I do not have time to do anything that is unproductive at this point. So it's like, I'm only going to be around the real people that I know have my best interests and love me and care about me. And, um, yeah, there's literally no fakes around my shit. Like I don't, I can't like, and I see it from a mile away too. I'm not going to treat them any different. Like if, I'm engaged with somebody that I don't necessarily want to be around. Obviously I'm not going to treat them like shit, but I'm not going to give them my like hundred percent. Like I'm not going to give them all of me. Like, you know, I'm going to get out of that conversation as quickly as possible. Oh, and for sure. For sure. You know how it is, but you know, everyone's doing it differently. And, you know, I don't know if there's an exact right way to do things, but at the end of the day, you got to do what you think is right. So, you know, just got to follow your gut. You know, there isn't, there isn't a right like way to do things. Like there's not, this is like uh, such like a fucked and amazing industry where like there is no A to Z. You don't get your bachelor's and then go get your law degree and then get the internship or get the secretary job and move yourself up. There are so many ways that you can be innovative and prove yourself unique, prove yourself, whatever, you know, agents or talent buyers want to see. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a really hard road. And I think you have to go through shitty relationships and meeting shitty people to realize that like what you said about your energy is so important because it's exhausting. It's exhausting when you're like, why am I around these people? Why am I stressing out about this? Just trying to produce decent music and, and go about your daily life and continue to progress is stressful enough as like an up and coming artist than having to worry about, you know, drama or, or other things that are just deemed unnecessary for you to spend your time on and your energy on. Yep. Absolutely. You don't miss folks. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. But it's, it, yeah. Cause it's like, cause 
when I wanted to have you on, it's just we can relate in a way that is a little bit unique as to we're in this same position, kind of in the same region. And and it's like it's mentally tasking. And I hope, you know, up and coming like artists and producers can or even DJs can relate to this because, you know, the scene is just nasty sometimes. And it's so important to like keep your head on straight and not get distracted because you can just get distracted so easily. And sometimes I look at it and I'm like, holy fuck, like I'm, I'm in high school again, like this, I'm in high school. And, and, and you just, you know, I'm a homebody now. It's like, unless I play or have a reason to, to go out, to build on like what I'm building, Mm -hmm. I'm at home. You know, I got my dog, my boyfriend, people around me that I know care about me, want the best for me, people like Caro, people like Jess. And it's like, those are the people who I keep in my circle and keep close. The other ones, you you always want to be respectful. You never want to burn a bridge with anyone, but it's okay to keep your distance. And yeah. it's, you know, it's okay to say, okay, like I'm doing my own thing. I'm working on my own thing. And as far as like drink your water goes, I would love to know kind of your journey because I know a lot of people kind of see you as as a semi-resident semi-artist like with Iris how did you get started with that I know you said they were booking you when you lived in South Carolina still how did you grow with them and then like use that as an advantage point to build yourself in other markets so it I was getting booked originally and this, this is funny it all started with Abe with Ra he I met him through the scene and um, we just became kind of like online homies. And I was telling him, I was like, dude, I would love to play there. And he was a resident at Iris and whatnot. So he started like putting my name in everyone's ears. He's like, yo, I got this guy, blah, blah, blah. He's doing all these big rap features, but he wants to do EDM and he's a good DJ. So let's bring him to Atlanta. So I started getting booked through Iris through him uh, very early on, like 2016 time, 2015, I think. And started coming down there, playing a lot, playing a bunch. And then once I was like, I don't know, I just, I'm not like trying to boast or anything. I just have like really crazy energy on stage. And like at the time, like the, pr- the promoters for Irish were like, wow, dude, like you actually like, you know how to rock a crowd. Like that was pretty cool. So we want to keep bringing you back, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that four hour drive is just so hard. And that just wasn't fun at all. And mm-hmm. I wasn't making much money at the time. So I wasn't getting hotels and stuff. I was just driving back right after the show, getting home at like 6am. And that was getting tiring. And I was just at the point in my life where I could really just do whatever I wanted to do and like move wherever. So um, I told him, I was like, yo, if I moved to Atlanta, like, would you guys continue to keep booking me? Cause like, I'd really be moving there for the gigs and like to be able to start branching out. Cause I had the drink your water idea in my head. I just didn't know how to execute it at all. Cause I didn't have a team. It was just really me making my own shots and my own decisions. So I ended up moving out and then started getting booked a little bit more here and there. And then once I released the Drink Your Water project and started actually producing my own music, that's when uh, one of the promoters at Iris and I sat down and he was like, yo, we want to make you like a semi-type resident. Not like, I told him I didn't want to play too much. I didn't want to get like, you know, oversaturated and whatnot. But he was like, yeah, we'll start booking you once or twice a month. Here's your rate. We'll do this. And then we'll even, you know, put you on Imagine. And, you know, as as long as you just keep promoting and bringing people out type stuff. So I, I really just stuck with it and just kept promoting for them and helping them out with whatever they needed. And, you know, I just started getting booked regularly, like big dubstep acts that were coming in. They were always throwing me on direct support and it was super sick. And um, yeah. And I just kind of used that to build my Atlanta fan base. And um, yeah, it was just really all through word of mouth Uh, started with Abe and then just started with me just showing face and 
I even was going to shows that I wasn't even playing just so I could like show them like, Hey, I'm here to support, like need anything. Let me know. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I got embedded with them. And then, you know, I started getting booked elsewhere, uh, in the city, there's other big clubs that were doing their thing. So, um, but it really all started with Iris. Like I, I owe it all to them for showing me so much love in the early stages of my career. And, um, so it's kind of how awesome. all, all that happened. Oh yeah. It's, it's all just like persistency and time. I remember exactly how you started with Iris. I started with Ritz because I was still in Orlando mm. and I was like working two jobs. I was going to school and then I would play at Ritz and then I would drive back and sleep in the country club parking lot before I had to open up my country uh. club. And like, but it's like, but it's like, that's just like the grind and that's the grind that nobody sees. And that's literally just for being a resident. That's like, not even for being like, like doing any crazy shit. And, and it's, but there are those clubs like Iris, like the Ritz that presents a special opportunity that gives you this access. I have so many people all the time that ask me, you know, was the residency worth it? Was, you know, was the growth worth it? And it's, it's like they'll look at the track line. They'll look at people like Blunts and Blondes. They'll look at people like Dev. And I'm just like, everyone's different. Yeah. Everyone, Everyone's path is different. And you just, you are what you make of it. And mm-hmm. if you're going to take advantage of it and you're going to release tunes, you're going to promo the shit out of it, you're going to use your city to your full advantage and grow a huge market for you there, fucking run it. Like, like do it. Um, but But there will come a time where you have to weigh the severity of being loyal in a certain market and saying, okay, it's time to pull away and and build my demand here and build this here. Cause it's like, you just played in Orlando and you just played, you know, you've been playing other places as well. And, and I think in our similar situations that I would not be where I am now without the residency. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that you would say the same about Iris. Absolutely. Yeah. Just because of the the following it brought me like the loyal amount of people. Cause Iris is that venue that no matter who's playing, it doesn't matter who is playing, it's going to be packed. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Ritz is kind of the same, right? Like people just yes. show up. Like it doesn't matter who's playing. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, that's just how it is and how it's always been. When I knew I was getting booked, I knew there'd be a shit ton of people there every time. And I was like, all right, here's my chance to blow a bunch of new people's minds who probably have never seen me. So that's mm-hmm. why like you said, it was just a huge, huge opportunity to like build what you got going on. And, um, um, I don't know how it was with the Ritz. Like if you were allowed to play at other places when you were like super like resident, cause it was every Saturday, right? It was, so it's, it was, it was Saturday and then Friday. I was there for like three and a half years. So I like had to work my way up. So I started playing house music when I was making dubstep at home. So I was like, okay, got to like eat the bullet, do whatever. So I started on Saturdays and then I moved to um, Fridays, which was the base night. And then, yes. And then when everybody kind of moved along and moved on their way, I was able to like play that direct support slot, which is what I did for like a year and a half, two years, which was super, super sick. And, and really was what made me felt like it was worth it. Cause not only did I get to like test out my music. Like I, I just, there were, there were beneficial points that, and, and it streamlined like my career path. Like, I feel like when you, I look at careers and, and 
what like general consumers like don't understand is when most of the time, 90% of the time, when somebody pops up out of nowhere, you know, they've been doing it for 10 years. They've been grinding. They've been, they've been doing support tours. They've been doing their local market. And, and then, you know, they get picked up or X, Y, and Z. And I felt like that position there streamlined me. But the answer to your question is that no, but there's nowhere else in Tampa that I would have wanted to play. Like it's, it's, it's kind of like, Atlanta's a much bigger city, whereas mm. Tampa, like that's your premier electronic dance music club. And then okay. if you go on from that, you're going either to maybe the Hard Rock or like a stadium like Amelie or 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 the Bucks Field or something like that. So okay. we were we were advised not to. That was kind of like a mutual agreement, but I never had a desire to go anywhere else. But as far as like Orlando, that's free reign, Jacksonville free reign. So they were super cool about as long as you kind of were transparent with them and had that mutual respect, they were cool with you doing whatever. That's kind of how it was with, um, with Iris. Like if there was a, another competing big show going on in the city, which there always is like always. always different shows. Um, just had to be straight up with them. Like, yo, like, you know, this is a good opportunity. And they were always super, um, super appreciative and like honest with me about stuff. And they always kind of just let me do my thing. So never really butted heads with anybody. Um, That's good. Super, super grateful for, for that and whatnot. So. um, Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like, I think so many people, people don't realize how many large artists and producers started with residencies. Like I can name so like yeah. like Nitty Gritty had a residency in Miami. Blunts and Blondes was at Ritz. Like I just like Lick was somewhere I think in Michigan. And it's just, I think the majority of people, once they're in that position, they either get the bug to being, I personally was like, I'm sick of playing other people's tracks. I was like, mm-hmm. I want to play like my own music where right. I'm at now is like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting bored DJing. Like, let's start singing. Let's start bringing in some live elements. Let's start doing something else. Something to like keep pushing it forward. Or yeah. you're just like content with being a DJ. Like I've met both people. Everyone has different journeys. And that's something too that was kind of like a hard pill to swallow is that, you know, not everyone wants to do this as a career. Some people just like love it for what it is. And it's like a great hobby and it's a great like weekend thing. But it's a totally different mindset to be like, okay, I'm doing something that wasn't necessarily part of the plan because it's going to help me in my like long-term like vision and, and goals. Yep. Exactly. That's, you don't miss folks. It's so fucking true. Like, but it's, it's cool though. Cause it's like, you can't really talk about this shit on Twitter or, or like even, even on like comments, like, I guess I could do like an IG live, but it's so different when you're able to have like a transparent conversation of someone, especially like you too. Like I usually have like guests that I'm like, Oh my God, I'm talking to them. Like, like I have like a list of questions and like with you, I'm comfortable. Cause I feel like we're just in like the same position where we're like growing and we've had these residencies and they've given us these like opportunities. Now it's kind of just in our core to be patient and like keep hustling and it's it, but it's still it doesn't make it any easier it's still just like I I said to somebody the other day because I've seen all that fucking ghost production shit on Twitter I'm just like dude like not only can I tell now from a mile away if somebody's fake but like it, it's like everyone's hustle is different if you have the fucking money dude 
do whatever. I commend the fucking ghost producers because I'm like, you guys are making racks and you're not even having to get out of your bedroom. Like the amount of people that I know get paid for like, like thousands of dollars. I'm like, what? Like what? That's fucking crazy. But you know, everyone's hustle is different. But, but my thing was just like, dude, like making music's fucking hard, bro. Like, like it's, it's, it's it's a creative like mind fuck and it's amazing like it's some it's an amazing outlet like if i'm ever pissed i'm like let's go like i have my bass guitar i have like my fucking mic like i can like get whatever going but to like refine something i'm someone who gets to that 80 percent mark with no problem and then i don't touch the song for a year i won't touch it for six months and i'll just let it sit there and then by the time i revisit it i'm like my skill set and my techniques are so different I don't even want to fucking finish it. So like, I don't know, like what is your creative process? Like, I would love to know like the difference between when you're writing like a feature for someone or rapping versus production with drink your water. So like you said, making music is so so hard. It's (laughs) definitely one of the hardest things I've ever um, come across, like making hip hop beats, um, not knocking hip hop producers, but like making hip hop beats is super simple. Like that, that's kind of what I learned making music on was just melodies, drums, and that was really it. It's just, there's not too, too much to it. Like, obviously you've got your producers that are groundbreaking, insane, but like dance music is just, dude, especially with all the, like all the critiques. Cause it's like nowadays, I feel like most producers, myself, I've gotten stuck where I'm like, wow, what can I make? That's going to blow other producers' minds. Like going to be different. It's going to yeah. be unique. Yeah. Like, uh, and I, st- I started thinking for the longest time, I was like, what can I make that's going to make like the people that I know and look up to, like what's going to make them want to play it? But I stopped thinking about like, what's the crowd going to like? So it's like, for me, it's always been less is more. Like I've always just tried to keep it really simple, but just, just always end up fucking hearing someone else's shit and just comparing what I got going on to it. I'm like, fuck, like I got to literally. So it's such a mental mind fuck doing this music shit. Like that's another part that makes it so hard. Like not even just making it, but, um, so basically like writing lyrics for me has always been super, super easy. I don't know why I just, same. Literally yeah, same. Yeah. it's always just been very simple and like, cause it's coming from the heart, like making sounds and dubstep and shit. I don't feel like comes from the heart. That's all brain work, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it was always very easy for me to make lyrics up and like do all the rap features and shit. There obviously were times where I couldn't come up with anything, but dude, just making like sounds and creating all these, like just, little intricate things that you need to and dance music is so insane to me and I'm still learning every day I don't think anyone's got it down perfectly I think everyone is still a student always going to be learning but yeah I don't know it's just there's there's a huge difference in the lyric writing because like you said it's it's a lot easier because you can can even just like freestyle stuff and just come up with like melodies and like harmonies on your own and then just fill in the gaps later so I don't know like I I don't know why. I always start with the drop first when I'm making like dance stuff. I don't know why. That's just how I, I do too. Yeah, I always just start with the drop and I can kind of base the song around what the drop sounds like. It's easier for me to do that than rather than writing an intro or a break first. So um, it, it's, it, it varies every time, but um, yeah, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm still learning and still watching YouTube tutorials every fucking time I'm producing and digging through splice for more time than I am fucking actually making the song. I feel like just looking for perfect little sounds that, I haven't already used and you know, it's just, it's just so much stuff, man. It's, it it's is. In, and it's, it's so time consuming. It's like, it's literally like hats off. And that's when I, that's when I can tell too, is cause like, 
it's 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 a a full-time job to to make something that you're happy with and yeah. you feel like checks all of the the boxes and because we're like in the scene like we look at that 10% instead of what you said instead of the crowd we mm-hmm. we sometimes get our mind in i use twitter as a good example because twitter seems so loud but it's actually such a small percentage of people that's that represents our scene. You know what I'm saying? It's like the loudest ones are always going to be in like the smallest numbers and they're always going to try and do the most damage. And that's where our head goes to, oh my God, would these like, would these labels like it? Is this forward thinking? Is this something that's going to impress my fellow producers or producers that I look up to when the crowd just wants a good piece of music? You know, it just wants a good piece of music. And there is a difference between being an established artist and following a certain formula and being an up and like up and coming artist and following a certain formula. Because when you reach this level that, you know, you know, you're secured, you're on a good agency, you know, you're going to have the tour offers coming in, you know, any label you're going to give it to is going to take it because your social media is higher and you have these great shows. That's a different approach than, hey, like I'm grinding my ass off to try and do something that's different because Mm -hmm. finding that different like hemisphere is really, really difficult. And and like exactly what you said, like I will literally just sit here at like 11 o'clock at night. My boyfriend will be playing like video games and I will just hit my pen for like four hours and have like vital open and omnisphere and serum and just try and like make sounds like something that I like and like just save it in a folder. But you know, that's just like not even constructing the song. There's so many different parts from like sound design sessions to actually composing or like producing and then mixing and then mastering. And and that's just for like one body of work. And it just like, and then you don't want it to sound like somebody else. And there's just like five billion dubstep producers and you can always find somebody who's going to be like I remember when I used to put out charts they'd be like oh it sounds like this must die intro oh it sounds like this drop oh it sounds like this I'm like I don't know what to tell you like if you look at any chord progression every band has used it five billion times everything's been used by now everything's been used you know what I'm (laughs) saying and it's just I think it's hard too, though, because it's a little bit of a mind fucked because there's like this infinite amount of possibilities in like electronic production and like working in a DAW. Are you in FL or Ableton? I'm using Logic. I've been in Logic. Oh, no way. Okay. All right. Okay. So I'm doing a collab with somebody in Logic right now, but that's, that's sick. I started in Logic when I was doing like band stuff before getting into Ableton, but it doesn't matter what like DAW you're working in. It's just like... There's so many techniques and there's so many ways that you can do something differently. Whereas compared to playing the guitar or playing, you know, just a musical instrument, it's like, you're only going to get one sound. You're going to process it how you need it to be processed. And that's it. You're just focused on the actual composition of the music. And that's where I feel like it gets lost, especially now. I feel like some people are just in this realm where it's a sound design game and it's like not even like listenable. I'm like, I'm like, like props to you, like art is subjective, but I want there to be a melody or a vocal or a, or something that I can like grasp my ears to and not just 
like 16 bars of wacky sound design and, and to each their own. There's a market for all of them, but that's where I feel like it is right now. It's like, it's just like super, super technical and like how technical can you possibly get? And, and yeah. And, and that's why it's, it's just better to try and not follow trends and just stick in your own lane. Cause when you follow the trends, it like puts like a stamp on it. It's like a timestamp on it. And I, I feel like even looking at like rhythm, like the super heavy rhythm, like it's not as popping as it used to be. And it's just this phase. And now like the melodic stuff is in and I'm sure that'll be a phase too. And it's just, oh, yeah. I just finished up um, a track with figure. And like when he came on the podcast, he just said, I don't do trends. I just do me and what I want to do, because if they're going to like me, they're going to like me. If I don't have a market in whatever Wisconsin, then I don't have a market in whatever Wisconsin. It doesn't matter because I know that I'm making stuff that I want to make. And I I feel like that's so important to realize because we just get compared no matter who you are, what shoes you're in, what gender, what ethnicity, like you get compared to so many people in this Mm -hmm. because ultimately like you're a product, like whether you have an Asian or not, or you're a local or you're a resident or whatever, you're still looking at as like, you're being looked at as something that is sellable. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's so fucking many of, uh, of us doing that. So it's, you know, it's very easy to get compared and very easy to get put into a box, uh, Mm -hmm. with what everyone else is doing. So yeah, you just gotta, yeah, like you said, you just gotta make what makes you happy and like, it's just you know, people in the crowd aren't going to care what like your snare or how crispy your snare is or just like little shit like that like i've always just like i said i always try to impress other people who are making music when they probably truly don't give a fuck about you and that's not who you need to give a fuck about you you need the audience you need the consumers to give a fuck about you mm-hmm. so you just have to do you and make and make what makes you happy and you know i mean if it sounds good it sounds good that's my rule it's literally that if it sounds good it sounds good like you know if something sounds like shit like if it doesn't sound good it doesn't sound good if you, if it does it does and i i have a i did like i do patreon now where i do like um lessons and just like content for people um and some of my my students we've been doing like sound design stuff and and he was just like if it sounds good i'm just going to i'm just going to duplicate it and i'm going to do it until it doesn't sound good anymore i'm like that's great dude like go for it because at the end of the day it's just it's about the consumer and it's about you, but it it's kind of like that self-recognition of when you send a producer something and they're like, whoa, that's sick. And especially if it's somebody you like listen, like you look up to. So it's yeah. like, that's important because that feeds into your like self-gratification yep. that gets broken down so many times like in this industry. So it's important to have yeah. that, you know, yeah. but, but it's, it's just... It's it's an uphill battle. It's definitely an uphill battle. And I feel like very few, not very few, like you make it, but you're the only one that like calls it off. Like no one's going to be like, oh, Kevin, you're done. Like your career is done. Like you're the only one that's going to be like, okay, I'm done. Like I'm throwing in the towel. Like this isn't for me. And I feel like I've seen a ton of people do that in the last like six months. And I don't know if it was because of COVID or or whatever, but it's sad, but it's also the reality of it is that you would just have to be such so on top of yourself and like how you're managing your time and your finances and like the team that you have and like your schedule 
to actually be able to do this and like pull it off to get to the other side because it's just like never ending. Yeah, the you need such a strong mental uh, core to be able to withstand the the trauma that I'm not trying to make it sound that bad, but there it is so much mental toughness you need to make it in this scene. Like even just to stay afloat, like it requires so much strength from from up here. And like obviously you got to love what you're doing to be able to stay in it, but it's it's literally all uphill. And I feel like everyone's going uphill until, like you said, you get that established where you're just good and you know you're good and anything you you're really coasting, you're yeah, riding. Coasting. Like I'm down to just get there, you know. I'm down to coast. Like the uphill shit's gonna get old at some point, but you know, it's I'm still still loving it and still enjoying everything. And you know, there's there's literally no stopping inside at this point because like I just always just like making music, and even if it's just at the level I'm doing it now, I'm still gonna enjoy it. So. See, and like, as long as that's your number one, because it's like, that's how it is for me too. And like, there's certain aspects that I just like love. Like I love performing. I love singing. Like I love using like organic instruments in like Ableton and like fucking them up and creating sounds out of that. What I don't love is sound design. What I don't love is mixing. Like there's going to be a balance. You just have to always remember like why you're in it. And if you really love it, you won't give up. It's the people, the people who I see that like throw in the towel and there are like other factors. Don't get me wrong. There's always family, you know, financial, all of that other stuff. It's so hard. But, but most of the time, the people that I see that don't make it through are people that weren't in it for the right reasons to begin with, because it's so hard. It's so hard. And, and it's just like, even though it may be a little bit of like a depressed, it's not a depressing conversation. It's a real conversation. Yeah. I have these things like these conversations with my boyfriend all the time, because now I'm like gone from the residency and I'm getting like booked other places. And even though being booked as, as local or regional support resident, whatever verse being booked as like a legitimate artist is very different financially. I tell him all the time. It's like, people don't understand management takes a cut. Agents take a cut. You have to pay for your flights. Sometimes hotel isn't included. Sometimes you don't have per diem. And then, you know, that thousand dollars windles and it windles and it windles. And then you go, oh my God, I'm in the hole. I'm in the hole and I haven't made anything. And, you know, I walked away and and that's what COVID taught me as well as just like being like, hey, like don't just focus on Lizzie Jane and make it your priority, but don't just do that to make money. Like you want to enjoy what you're doing. And I think kind of this like bittersweet kind of middle ground is saying, okay, so for you not to be resentful and like financially stressed, because that's some of the worst stress period is financial stress, like have another form of income that you know you're going to be able to pay your bills with so you don't have to like get mad at your project for not doing well or not doing exactly what you wanted it to do. So it's like, but it's all part of the journey. And if people get there too quick, they don't have these appreciations. They don't have these like realisms that they're supposed to have when figuring this out to make it last long and not just disappear. Exactly what you said about like being the underdog and like, being kind of like under the curve opposed to like as fast as it comes up, as fast as it's going to go down. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, 
it's it's a hell of an industry, but I've like met some of my best friends in it. And like, I've met some amazing people. And no matter where you're working, you're always going to have like shitheads and you're also going to have like really awesome people, you know? Yeah. It's all about the balance. And there's there's more good than bad, but there always has to be the bad. Like th- there always has to be those people to kind of like teach you to how to not be and how to keep yourself grounded. And, you know, just kind of just like, let them set the example for you on how to be and how not to be type shit. So definitely. So. I want to know what is new for drink your water. Tell me what you're working on. Tell me if you've got any collabs or even stuff for Kevin Flum. Cause I know you still do features here and there. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, um, I'm sitting on a bunch of Kevin Flum stuff. It's just kind of like, um, I've noticed that like, most of my like fans that have been sticking with me. Cause I had one song back in like, I think it was 2014 or something uh, went stupid viral. Like I think it's a, like, if I had to check, I, it would probably be at like 35, 36 million plays on YouTube, like stupid amount. And it was just stupid song called you mad bro. Like whatever. Like at the time I was, <laughs> I was 20 years old and I made the song and it's just like, I've grown so much since I made the song. So that's why I'd, it's like kind of with chain smokers. Like if you brought up selfie, they'd be like, uh, that song like god damn it yeah same shit but like all my fans like i started making more like melodic type like you know a little bit of auto-tuny stuff here and there and they'd be like no like we want the you mad bro kevin back and like it's just it sets such a like weird stigma for people to expect that type of music from me because that's like most people discovered me off of that one song and it's like i notice when i make more like harder talking shit cocky type rap music they like that more and which is cool. I like that, but like, that's just, it's, I've always just enjoyed kind of just doing me and not having to worry about what people are going to like or not what going to like. So it's been very difficult for me to continue doing that type of stuff. Um, and then when I do EDM features, like when I did uh, the uh, one with taboo recently, um, my rap is just like, when I post about it on Instagram, it barely gets any likes, like no one really interacts with it. And then, like, when I'll post one of my own songs of, like, just me and doing, like, the hard, like, rapping cocky type shit, then it goes crazy. So, it's, like, I I can, I'm studying and I see what people want and what they don't want. So, um, I've just been, like, stacking up Kevin Flum shit. i got, like, at least an album's worth of music just sitting. I just don't really know what I want to do with it. I don't want to release an album and it flop. Like, I've always, in the rap game, um, studied how when I drop EPs and projects, there's always just one song that performs really well. And the rest of the songs just kind of get forgotten and washed away. And I hate wasting music, especially music that I put my all into. So I just, I really just have like a plan to just kind of just drop singles throughout the rest of the year and then just keep them moving in 2022 and kind of just like, you know, drop a strategic uh, music video for each one, whichever one that I feel like is going to perform more, I'm going to do a video for. I'm not going to do a video for like just a song that, I don't love or don't think it's going to pop because I've noticed anytime I do a video for a song, the song itself, like on Spotify gets way more plays. And so doing videos for shit obviously helps out a lot. So as far as the Kevin Flum shit, I'm just sitting on a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm planning on releasing soon here, but my focus has really been on the drink your water stuff. Cause that's like where I've been getting more attention from and getting booked from. And so as far as drink your water, I also have a fuck ton of music I'm sitting on. I'm not going to say like it's like groundbreaking shit where I'm excited to release it. It's more like I'm still getting everything perfect because I mix master. I do everything myself. Um, but I do have some really cool singles. I have a collab with Heckler uh, that we started like I think a month ago. And where it's at now is absolutely insane. And it's so sick. But um, 
Sean has like a bunch of album stuff coming out soon. So that song's not going to be out for maybe until like January of next year. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I have a bunch of stuff. I would say at least 12, 13 songs that I'm absolutely excited and stoked about that I'm ready to put out, but I'm in the process right now of shifting to a new management team and a new, like just whole new team. That's going to have like control kind of like helping me out with what I'm doing and whatnot. Cause I was working with, uh, with Paul Reed and Justin Barding for the last two years. And then COVID hit and kind of just like slowed everything down for us. We weren't really able to execute what we wanted to make happen, but um, we still, you know, got a few releases out. We got the subsidy release out, you know, all that cool stuff. Um, so, yeah. So just right now, I'm just kind of in the process of shifting. I think by next week, everything will be like done and ready. And then that's when I'm going to sit down with my new team and kind of just figure out how we're going to start blasting out the new songs, maybe do like a debut EP or something. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I've sent out a couple of folders here and there and people are really stoked. Like a lot of producer homies are pretty stoked on what I got going on. So like first time I've actually felt really confident in my like actual music making. Cause I suffer, I'm sure you and a bunch of people in our lane have imposter syndrome and oh, yeah. yeah, it's like, God, I just feel like my shit sounds like shit compared to everything else. But then I get reminded by like homies like, no, dude, this is actually really good. Like this is clean. And I know they're not just telling me that. Cause like, I know the people and like, I always ask people like, listen, don't be afraid to hurt my feelings. Like, tell me this sucks. Tell me this sucks. Tell me the sub sucks. Tell me the kick sucks. Like, let me know. So recently I've just been getting a lot of like, just affirmations that I have decent stuff that I'm sitting on. I'm actually really stoked about it. And so, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll just see what happens. Uh, hopefully for the rest of the year, we've got a decent little release schedule going. Um, not really trying to wait on labels too much anymore. Cause I don't think I it's have not a, worth it. Yeah, it's no, not worth it. It's not worth it. And I don't think what I have right now, and I'm being honest, I don't think what I have is like label worthy. Like maybe I could get a, you know, a couple more subsidiary releases maybe, but uh, I'm just trying to like save what I have for now, just to see what it can do on its own. And then, you know, just see what kind of doors it could open. Cause like, you know, I don't know. I just, I hate sitting on music. Cause like you said, you sit on something for a while, even if it's like still being made, come back to it. And you don't like it anymore because you realize that you've kind of like gotten a little bit better or maybe you think differently than how you were thinking when you made the song. So it's like times like your best friend and also your worst enemy in this kind of stuff, because like it's very easy to start not liking something you made, even though if it's trash to you, it might be gold to other people. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's such a weird game, man. But um, yeah, no, I'm stoked. I'm actually finally actually super excited that I'm like comfortable making my own stuff now and like actually being happy with how it's sounding towards the end because for the longest time I was like man this is ass like I I don't know what I'm doing and it's just a lot of comparing myself to like people and shit so I still say that every day I literally will look at my like look at a project listen to something in the car I'm like motherfucker like this (laughs) fucking sucks dude but but it's just a process of it and and it, it kind of exactly what you said is that it's it's important to I personally, when I'm, when I'm beginning an idea, I'll send it to Mikey and he'll be like, this sounds like shit. Or he'll be like, this is cool. Change this, do this. And it's important. It's so important to have those people in your back pocket, not mm-hmm. just people who are like, oh, this is great. I really didn't even listen to it, but it sounds great. Oh, and yeah, yeah. It's so good. And you're like, dude, there's a kick drum. Like, like, but, but it's, it's important to have those type of people as well as like, consumers like your girlfriend and like other people listen to it because they represent another circle a more important circle of people who you know are, are gonna listen to it and like a lot of the times I'll show shit to my boyfriend 
and it'll be like a synth and I'll be like, isn't this so cool? And he's like, is that it? And I'm like, yes, but it's so cool. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. That, but it's like the final product. It's important to get, you know, opinions from everyone. And I think the biggest thing that I've seen, especially because so many people, like there's all of these like COVID promoters now that have come out of nowhere. And like, there's so many opportunities for people to DJ, even though it's still incredibly saturated. There's a lot of opportunities for people to DJ. And the thing that I noticed the most is that I went through it myself. Like if you get ahead of yourself DJing before you start to produce, and this is something you want to do seriously, you set this like bar in your mind. And like a lot of like people who go to clubs, like maybe not so much now as they did maybe four or five years ago, they think the music you're playing is yours. Like, they'll be like, I love your music. You're too I'm yeah. like, I'm like, oh shit. Like none of that was mine. And then in your mind, it like builds up this blockade of, or if, or if you have like a really strong release, like I put out a super awesome track that did really well in May. And then I was like, oh my God, I got to top that track the next track has to be better than that track. And it's like a mind fuck. And, and I think I, I teach a lot of kids on Patreon that are predominantly DJs, know how to DJ. It's, it's not that hard. They get good bookings. They get good shows regionally and they don't know how to produce. And, and they're scared to like embark on the journey because they know they're going to suck first. And I'm just like, the sooner that you start, the sooner you will stop sucking ass. And it's like, it's literally taken me three, four years to make something where I wasn't like, like when I listen to something that's good now, I'm like, damn, that's good. Like, it's really good. Like, I'm like, holy shit. Like, I don't sound like shit, but there's still, you know, that's after what, two weeks, a hundred hours, something like that to get it to that point. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Fucking crazy. It's, it's just like, it's, it's to a point where also the imposter syndrome where I'm like, certain things will happen to you. And I feel like probably like when you had, I love my little HD webcam that I paid so much money for that is just just a complete piece of shit. It's literally so bad. Um, I haven't done that once the whole time. It hasn't. It hasn't. I'm like trying to figure it out. I don't know, whatever. It'll click back. Um, But anyways, what I was saying, I'm stopping my video and I'm starting it again. There we go. Okay. So what I was saying was that, um, with the imposter syndrome, like maybe you had it like the first time you played Imagine or the first time you like got on a huge stage. My thing is that, you know, I'll get these bookings in, you'll get the offers. You're like, okay, sometimes I'll celebrate. Sometimes I'll be like, oh my God, this is like what I worked for. Like da da da. And then other times it like doesn't hit me until I'm there. And mm-hmm. I'm like, why am I here? Like, why is this happening to me? Is this a joke? Like, is something going to happen? I have like no cap had dreams that like, I got booked accidentally or I got booked like, like just some like wild shit that would never happen. But it's so real. I talked, uh, when I had Blunts and Wands on the podcast, Mike really talked about that when he was, he was like, I would be like, he's like, when I got kind of linked up with, um, Taylor gang guys, and I was like in the room with them, showing them beats. Some of the best hip hop producers I know, like come from dubstep and like, maybe I just don't know that many hip hop producers, but like, like the beats that like Mikey makes plasma, like some of those guys, like they're fire, like absolutely yeah. like fire. And like, there's such a lane to be had there. But he said that he was sitting in, in a room. And then one time, like a guy turned around and just said, dude, like, what's your problem? And he's like, what? And he's like, 
you belong here. Like you have imposter syndrome, like stop thinking you don't belong here because that's, what's going to kill you before you even open your mouth to show somebody something. That's, and, like, that's so crazy. Cause Mike's the one who told me that I have imposter syndrome. And then Mike literally told me about exactly what you just fucking said. Really? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. what imposter syndrome was until Mike told me what it was. And he told me it hit him when he was in that studio with Taylor gang. So that's fucking yeah. crazy that you brought that up. That's yeah. actually insane. It's a good, good, good story, Mike. Good story. But I, I think I had like heard of the term before, but when he asked, I was like, I don't think people know what it is. So like, tell me. And he explained that it's just when you don't feel like you belong where you're at. And it's, it's, I think it's hard too, because it's like when you're constantly grinding, I can't like say how many times I would just like, usually it leads from when I get like super stoned alone. I'll just be like thinking and I'll just be like, dude, what if this doesn't work out? Like, what am I going to do if this doesn't work out? I, I have, I have a, like a backup plan. Like I have other things I can do, but it's just when you've put so much work into something and you know, you've sacrificed so much to continuously put in work, it's like mentally draining. But then when it finally happens, it feels like it's not happening. And, and it's such a weird thing to try and I guess, like explain, but it's the most odd feeling, but then like satisfying too, that you're there and that it's happened to you. And it's just like this big circle. And I feel like no matter how accomplished you can be or how like high of a level you reach, you can still have that like sitting in the back of your mind. That's what I was just about to say that. Like, do you have that? Do you think like sit there and have those thoughts like as of recently, like in the past few months? Oh yeah. Like, like literally just sitting in the studio and being like, okay, like this is going to happen. You have to mentally prepare for it to happen. And then it just hitting me like, oh, it's happening. Like, oh, like when I, I literally thought I was like put on like a side stage at Imagine. For a second, I was like, am I playing the silent disco? (laughs) And then, and then they were like, no, like you're on main stage. And I was like, oh shit. And I was like, oh, wow, like, that's cool. Yeah, (laughs) it's like, like, you know, so but but it's cool because there's other people like like yourself, like like other people in Florida, like Mike and stuff that have gone through the same thing. And that's why I think it is important to have that like circle that you're able to like talk about. And like, that's why I have a podcast, too, because there's so many aspiring producers now. Like you see it. I'm sure people hit you up all the time. How can I play at Iris? How can I, how can you get oh, me yeah. into Iris? Mm-hmm. And it's just important for people to know like that it's normal. It's a normal thing. Like even incredibly large artists like have those feelings of like, holy shit, like this is my life. I'm here. But in that moment, you're not thinking of everything you've done to get there and like all of the work that you've done to get there. And, yep. it, and it's, yeah. And that's why I think like, like my boyfriend, like if I didn't have my boyfriend, I would literally just be like in a ditch somewhere because he's just, he's just like, you've like worked really hard and like, you don't see it. And and I'm sure you do the same thing. People don't realize that what we do most of the time, we don't consider work because we love it, but yeah. we work like 80 hour weeks. Like sometimes we're working for 12 hours a day. And like, whether that's doing emails, promo, actually working on music, you know, putting together sets, like that's all under the umbrella of your job. And it's very easy for people to get lost in like, when you're doing something you love, you can like lose yourself in that. And you know, it's, 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 it's important to have 
or recognize that there's like a difference. Like you're drink your water, but you're also Kevin. And like, I'm Lizzie Jane, but I'm also Liz where you have these like touches of reality where you realize that there's another life because I've talked to larger artists on here and also like behind closed doors where they just say that, that they have everything they wanted, but if they're not at a festival or they're not at a club, they don't have anyone to talk to and they don't have like real people that they confide in. And I feel like it's so important to have those people along the way because COVID as a perfect example, like the world can stop spinning at the drop of a hat or your world can stop spinning. And then, you know, who's there. And, and I think a thing that like we deal with is, is like how many people actually give a fuck about you if you're not in the green room or can't guest list them or can't do this or can't do that. So fucking true. You know, so true. Doesn't, uh, doesn't your boyfriend do like your visuals and stuff or. So he, he did my visuals for a while. He, so he actually manages a shit ton of horizons. So he works in corporate America and then, but like, I had no idea when I started dating him that he was like so incredibly like talented in like the side of like visual and graphics and stuff. And I'm like, dude, like you literally could get paid thousands of dollars to do this. And I'm cool with the differentiation. Like it's a, it's a grasp on reality that I didn't really have before I met him, but yeah, like he, he does a lot of my visuals and he like smashes it. And like, it's cool. Cause it's like, even though he's like super busy now, it's like this kind of middle ground where like we can smoke and like be creative. And like, sometimes like we'll try and make crazy shit on Ableton or whatever, but it's just, it's, it's cool to have that in like my back pocket for a while. He was like, I'm going to do the DJ thing. He's like, I, I want to DJ. And he's like, no, I'm not fucking doing that shit. And I'm like, yeah, but, but he's, it, it's cool. Cause it's like this total we lead like such different lives, but I also think that's why we balance it out because he like represents this totally different part of like society that like we sometimes can get lost in. And like people just don't realize that the life that we lead is not a realistic life by like Uh any mean sort or like energy or whatever. So it's cool. I don't know. Is, is your girlfriend like, like, is she kind of in the scene or does she kind of exist on her own? So this is gonna blow your mind too. She actually does all my visuals and she runs oh. all my she runs my visuals at my shows. Like no way. She, she is so sick with it. Like she is nasty. Like she started off, I think she started doing Bloods of Blondes for a while. She would get like a couple of shows here and there whenever um Jolly Josh wasn't able to do it. And she's done uh she did Forbidden Kingdom, she ran Sully's visuals, Subdoctor, like she oh, kills it. Fire. And she, she's came up with a bunch of like cool water themed stuff for my project. So like, I was like, man, I'm pretty sure uh, Lizzie's boyfriend kind of like does That's what my girlfriend fire. does. Yeah. So I'm like, damn, you and I are like hella similar in hella ways. Like it's super I dope. know. It's really, it's, it's honestly almost like a little, I was like, holy shit. Okay. But that's yeah. fucking fire. Yeah. Well, I was going to say with Josh, what I did was I was like, Josh, I was like, my boyfriend made these, like, do you have any tips for him? So right now he's learning how to VJ because I'm like long-term, like if I can just like put you on my crew list and you do my visuals, like that would be so proud. That's what, like, yeah, that's that's, it's the perfect position. Like you're not a producer. You're not an artist. Like you're not having to deal with a bunch of shit. You can still have fun. And yeah. then you just do my visuals and yeah. like that, you know, and that that's super, super sick. Cause it's, it's a whole nother that that's something that I really like aspire to like 
reach that point in the next year where we have like timed visuals because that takes your shit to like a whole nother level where you yeah. have an actual VJ sitting there knowing when the stuff's getting timed up like and it's and it's a whole art form like I could not I can't do that when I watch him design visuals it started because his like his buddies I got them to play at Ritz just because like I'm like okay you guys like make music this is dope and he's like okay so like I'm gonna do visuals for them and I was like okay cool and then I saw him do visuals I'm like why the fuck did you not tell me you could do this? Like, so, so then he just started doing a bunch of visuals for me and, and we have like all new stuff for Imagine and Lost Land. So Hell it'll yeah. just, it'll just be super cool to like see them on a big screen. It's always different yeah. when it's like a screen that big. So that'll be, that'll be cool. That's, that's so funny. Is that how you guys like met kind of? Um, I met, it was funny. I just, I kind of just DM'd her randomly on Instagram and she was in the phase of, she was just going to shows and, you know, just yeah, partying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, I just saw her and I, I guest listed her to a, a set. I think I was opening for Downlink at Iris and that's how we met. And then through that, I kind of just like introduced her to like the scene and whatnot. And she made her own connections through other people. I think she met Preston a while back and she kind of just got embodied into the scene and she started realizing like, wow, I kind of want to just not be there being just what is she doing here she wants to have a purpose of being there mm-hmm. and she always just liked the visual work and stuff and then you know she buckled down she bought her all her gear and shit and then she started just practicing and learning all the shit that she needed to do and then before you knew it she was running all my stuff and then she started just getting booked through other people and she's running Fire. she's running a couple of people at lost lands too she'll be there and um yeah i don't she kind of just been like a growing um uh, process for both of us we kind of just like been both watching each other grow and blossom so it's been really sick that's amazing and it's like that's where like the majority of people start is I remember once I kind of made that transition I wasn't like in the scene at all like until I started at Brits like I didn't know artists like I didn't know whatever I was just spending money on going to festivals and going to shows and then I was looking at what I was doing and I had a friend who was in Orlando. He said, somebody called out. He asked if I could play on CDJs. I lied and said I could. And then, (laughs) and then, and then I got there and there was like me, my roommate and my friend. And it was, that's the only people in the room. And I was like, wow, that, that really wasn't that hard. Like maybe I can figure this out. Got Ableton and everyone starts as like a raver, like for the most part, like they start as a fan of music. Like there's only very few people who I met who are like, no, I wasn't into this before I started making this music because there's such, our music is designed to be performed in like live concert venues or at festivals. That's where our music is designed to be at. And that's why when COVID hit, it was such a hard hill for our industry because people, most people, I'm not like listening to rhythm when I'm cooking eggs. Like I'm not listening to that shit. Like you want to hear that in a club system with an amazing, you know, sub racks and all of that stuff or Hennessy sound, PK sound. And then that didn't exist anymore. So that's why like all of these people get into it. And that's also the reason that I have, I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but I can't say like, I'm not pissed by it when I like find out if somebody's ghosted or I knew somebody was ghosted. When I first got in and I heard some of my favorite artists were ghosted, I was like, you're fucking with me. Like, that's not true because there's so many positions that you can contribute to this industry without lying and without like, like not doing some shit that you're like saying you're doing. And it's like exactly what your girl did. It's like, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to find 
a reason not just to be a body backstage and not just to be there. Like I want to like play my part. And I always say like, if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I would be an artist manager. Cause I love all the aspects of being a manager, but you know, I, I love what I'm doing, but there's just so many parts and it's like, there's marketing, there's, there's A&Rs, there's agents, there's management, there's talent buying, there's promoting, there's so many parts that people can play. And that's why I get upset when I see people lose opportunities to people who really don't give a fuck about their craft. That's, that's what makes me just kind of, and most people I have the discussions with, it's like, everyone really sits on the same page, but they know, they know the length at which, I don't know. It's just with like the whole Twitter thing. A lot of people on the back end know, and of course it's the minority versus the majority, but it's the punishment in the back end of exposing someone isn't worth it to your career. It'll hurt you more than it hurts them. Correct. Every time, no matter what. No matter what. You're not, you know, we're not here to be justice warriors. We're here to like worry about ourselves. but that doesn't mean that we can't speak on topics that are frustrating or hard to talk about. Um, but it is what it is. It's part of the industry. I mean, and, but it's also the other side of that is I don't think, I think a fucked like point of view that we have, especially in our kind of niche genre is that we're supposed to do everything from like the ground up. Like we're supposed to produce the whole song, take into our mind that it's good enough, then mix and then master it. While you look at pop music, you look at rap music and you've got 60 fucking names credited on a track, you know? So it's like the best art is going to come from, you know, collaboration, but just be honest about who you're collaborating with. Like, it's okay. Like it's, I just, it's just not accepted in like, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't seem widely accepted in our industry. And I hope at some point that starts to change. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. And a lot of people don't even know to even look at those credits. Uh, they'll never even yeah. know that there's that Correct. many people uh, writing the song or helping produce it type shit. So, yeah, it's just, it's all about who know who knows and who's just, just kind of just there taking, being a consumer instead of actually like studying what's actually going on. Just like you said. Yeah. And then, and then at the end of the day too, it's like, no one really gives a shit. It's yeah. just the producers. It's just the artists who are like salty. And like, you have a right to be salty because this shit is hard. Like it's hard yeah. to get something that you're happy with. But the other end of it is, is, you know, that's why you just keep your circle small and you surround yourself with people who like inspire you and like, you know, challenge you to be better. Like I always want to be like the shittiest person in the room because it's going to make me feel like I have to do better. And that's how you continue to grow and continue to build. So true. Got my little dog like biting my arm off. This is Akira. Yeah. Hey, puppy. <laughs> she's, uh, she's super I to, cute. I had to kick mine out because you would have definitely been bugging me. You would have been. Oh, bugging really? Me. Okay. I was like, yeah. oh no, what happened? He's, not, oh. he's downstairs somewhere. Yeah. Oh. No. This is this is her. She always sits underneath me when I do my podcast. Thank oh. you. And oh. then when it's towards the end of the time she almost knows and she goes okay mom i'm ready to play this is me she'll she'll bring her toys and her yarn and she'll just drop it on my lap and i'm like okay akira i'm like talking to somebody very important can you like not that'd be great but she's she's a sweetie how what kind of dog do you have uh he's he's like a beagle basset bloodhound actually cash come here buddy (laughs) he's gonna come upstairs 
But he's, like, he, he's a little mutt. He's a, he's a mixed boy, but he is the he's the love of my life. I love this uh, dog. So much. Dogs are so wonderful. Like I get it. Yeah. Some people aren't dog people, but I just like we're alone so much in what we do that it just makes me feel like I'm not alone. It's I got I, I got to get him up here now. No, Hopefully. you got to get him up here. You got to get him up here. Hopefully he hears me, but I, he might be in the basement. I'm not sure, but. Well, well you'll have to you'll have to send me a picture because I've been doing this on Akira's account. I became a total white girl and made an account for my my puppy. And so now when I have podcast guests on that have dogs, I like Photoshop our dogs together in the studio. No so way. You ha- yes, I did it for company and I did it for someone else. And so you have to send me a picture of your dog. Oh, let me see. Oh, the little tail wag. Come here, Cash. Oh, what a cutie. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta hit him with the light. Cash, you gotta hit him. Oh! Yeah. Hello, my beautiful. Oh. oh, he just got up from a nap. <laughs> oh, Kira. She's like, oh, a dog? She's like, oh, look. <laughs> if you're a dog lover, you gotta listen or watch the episode. Oh my goodness. The yawns are the cutest when they wake up. Um, no, that mic is not yours. Down. Then she'll like touch the line and then it like goes over the line and she's like knocking down my studio monitors. I'll feed you soon, buddy. Go away. I know. You're like, okay, never mind. That doesn't necessarily work with dogs. They're like, you're paying attention to me. Okay, it's playtime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I just thank you for coming on today. I guess we'll like leave on that note um, for people listening. Is there anything they should like? You said this fall, you're going to have a shit ton of drink your water music drink. Yes. Drinking, right. Yes. Yes. I got a bunch that I'm sitting on that I'm ready to get out. I'm just kind of, you know, planning out the strategic way to do it. I don't want to just kind of drop it. Um, no. You know, so we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm in, in the process of shifting uh, to a new management team, new agency type stuff. So we'll see. Once that all gets finalized, then I'll kind of have like a clearer vision of what's going to be happening. But yes, lots of music, Great. lots of shows coming. You know, we got Imagine. Can't wait for and that. And you're at Imagine. Yep. I know. Can't what wait. day do you play? I open main stage on Friday. So hell yeah. yeah. All right. I will uh I'll be there. Me and me and Kara are gonna go up. So it'll be yeah. it'll be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Kevin, for coming on. Everyone who's listening, please check out Kevin Flum as well as drink your water. Lots of music coming to you soon. Um, You're tuning into the XO podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the XO podcast. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you that are return listeners and viewers. It means the world to me. And do not forget to check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane for a first opportunity to hear these podcasts ad-free Give us some input who you want to see on the podcast. Ask questions, one-on-one lessons, group lessons, live streams, and so much more. This is Lizzie Jane, and I'll see you next week for another episode of the EXO Podcast.